The passage that we're going to be going over today is Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Ruth 1, 16 through 18. And I'm going to be doing kind of a, a mini-series over the next few weeks, and we're going to go over the book of Ruth, all four chapters, and, and we're going to go, it, go through it chapter by chapter. And today's message here is just the beginning. So Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 18. Then she rose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab, in the land of Moab, that the Lord had, had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each one of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as he has dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. I was um, probably like nine years old. When I, when I first heard the song, Help. Does anybody know that song, Help? I need, I'm not going to sing that. Um, but, but the words are, Help, I need somebody help. Does everybody know that song? Well, I was like nine years old when I first heard that, and it was on a DC Talk album. That's an that's a old Christian band from the 80s and 90s. And so when I first heard that song performed by DC Talk, I just assumed it was a Christian song. It wasn't until years later that I heard it on some oldie station and they said it was the Beatles. And I was like, the Beatles? They just took a DC Talk song. <laughs> and then I slowly clued into what a cover song was and how DC Talk took it from the Beatles. But I think what, what really struck me when I found all of that out is here you've got the Beatles, this classic rock band, who made this song decades ago, and yet a Christian music artist would take it, and it was their opening introduction to their album, The Freak Show, which was their Jesus Freak tour back in 1996. 
And so here they're taking a secular song and they're sort of Christianizing it. They're taking that song about needing help, about calling out for help from somebody else, and they're Christianizing it and turning it into sort of a worship song, or at the very least an introduction into their Christian songs. And that's just one, and I'm sure you could find many other examples of, of human relationships that reflect the relationship that we have with God. You can find them all over the place where a human relationship, you get into it, maybe it's a good friend, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's the love that you have for your children or your parents. In that relationship, it grows so deep that you sort of say, wow, is, is this kind of like the relationship that God has with me? And sure enough, when God created us, he created us to be in a relationship with other people. As important as it is to have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it is also important that we have a close personal relationship with other believers. When God created us, uh, Genesis chapter 2, he creates man and he looks at Adam and he says, Adam is good. And here Adam is in a close personal relationship with God, unhindered by sin, unhindered by death. You would think that is the best that man could ever get. And when God looks at one man, what does he say? It is not good that man should be alone. I should make a helper suitable for him. So when God creates mankind, he says man should not be alone. He needs a relationship with somebody else. So in our creation, in who we are as people, we need others. And when we're in a relationship with other people, that can sometimes reflect the relationship that God has with us. Well, that's what we're looking at in Ruth chapter 1. We're looking at, it's a very human relationship between Ruth and Naomi. Very human relationship, but when you read that relationship in Scripture, you're actually caught up into the reality that this reflects the kind of relationship that we have with God in our Christian walk. So to understand where Ruth and Naomi are at in this story, we have to know a little bit of their history. So in Ruth uh, chapter 1, it opens up with this introduction as to who Naomi is and who her family is. Well, Naomi uh, comes from the city of Bethlehem, and, and her husband decides to take her and her sons away from Bethlehem because there's a famine, and they go over to Moab. Moab is, is probably just a little southeast of where Bethlehem is, and they have to cross the Dead Sea. But when they get there, um, they, her sons end up marrying Moabite women. And so they take in the Moabite women uh, for, for wives, and so they become a part of the family. Well, then something happens where Naomi's husband and also her two sons end up dying in, in, in Moab, and when they die, that leaves three widows in one household. And customarily in that day, women couldn't own property. Women couldn't live or fend for themselves. It, it just wasn't an occurrence. And so when somebody became a widow, they were immediately in poverty. They were immediately vulnerable. And that's what happens to Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. 
And so when this happens, Naomi decides, she hears that back in the land of Israel, God has met his people and God is providing food. And so she decides that she's going to head back. And as she's headed back to Israel, she sees that her daughters-in-law are coming with her. And, and make no mistake, when, when Naomi is pushing them away, she's doing it out of concern for them. I want to make sure we understand this. She's doing this out of concern because she knows that it's going to be hard enough as a widow to go and find food and shelter and be able to take care of herself. When she sees that there's two other widows doing the same thing with her, she knows it's going to be impossible for all three of them. And so when she looks at Orpah and Ruth, she says to them, go back to your home. Stay in the land of Moab. Find husbands for yourselves. And then she even points out, you know, what am I going to do? Have kids for you? What, you know, and she even says, even if I were to marry tonight, if God were to provide me a husband and I were to bear sons, what are you going to do? Wait 18 years to marry them? Are, are you really that close to me that you would wait that long for husbands? So what she's pointing out to them is, I, I'm just going to go and survive. That's what she's saying to them. I'm just going to survive, and I don't even know if I can do that. And she's pleading with them, if you go back to your land, if you go back to Moab, you can be with your people, you can survive with them, you can find new husbands. And so when she pleads with them to do that, Orpah listens, and she kisses her goodbye, and she heads back. And something I want to make clear, too, is when Orpah does this, it's not wrong. All right, I want to make that clear. When Orpah goes back to her land, she's taking the advice of Naomi. She's headed back. She's going to be with her people. She's going to find a husband. She's going to start a new life. But there's a deep relationship that Ruth has with Naomi. And even though Naomi has just laid out the facts for her, Naomi has basically said to Ruth, if you follow me, you're going to die. That's, that's Naomi's outlook. If you follow me, we're going to head back to Israel. We might have food for a few days, but it is not going to look good. And Ruth basically says to her, I don't care. Because Ruth has such a close relationship with Naomi, the thought of leaving her side is scary enough. The thought of going with her and dying in the land of Israel As long as it's with Naomi, she'll go wherever she goes. And so what Ruth does is is it says that she clings to her. So uh, one of the things I think of when, when I picture that cleaning, have you ever had like nieces or nephews or your kids jump onto your legs and they cling to you and you yell at them and they just laugh? That's fun, isn't it? And then your back hurts, that's even more fun. But when they cling to your legs and you try to move and they're just holding on, that's sort of the picture that I get with Ruth when she clings to Naomi and basically says, uh, I'm not going to let go of you. I'm not going to let go until you tell me I can come with you. And she gives this oath, and, and it's a beautiful oath. She gives it to Naomi and she says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I will be buried in your land. And then she even adds on top of it. She says, may it be far worse for me than anything else if anything but death separates us. 
And the oath that she gives to Naomi, it, it's, not, it's not an empty promise. This can be compared to the oaths that, that are given in the Old Testament, where she's literally saying, if I end up leaving your side, let God kill me in front of you. I mean, it's quite literal like that. She is stating that she wants to be in Naomi's presence to the point that if she ends up foregoing that oath, that God would hold her accountable. This is very important for us to realize because it shows just how much of a relationship they have with one another. And this is one of those relationships, as I said earlier, that enlightens our relationship with God. You you can sort of say it foreshadows what Jesus is about to do with the disciples and what he does with us. It, it sort of presents for us the kind of relationship that when Jesus comes, we look at it and we go, oh, that's why that story is in the scripture. That's why this story is in a book of the Bible. It's there to tell me what kind of relationship I'm going to have with Jesus or what kind of relationship I do have with Jesus. So let's look at the oath that she gives there uh, in, in verses, uh, excuse me, in, in uh, verses 16 through 18. So the first statement she makes is she says to Naomi, I will go where you go. And this is sort of like the statement that we make when we decide that we're going to follow Jesus. You know, when we decide that we're going to follow Jesus, first of all, it's a calling that Jesus gives to us. If you look throughout the Gospels, it is Jesus who approaches the disciples and says to them, you must follow me. And then the disciple ends up giving a statement that says, to some extent, yeah, I want to follow you. Yes, I want to study under you. I want to learn from you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And it makes me think of Matthew chapter 16, uh, when, when Peter gives the confession of the Christ and Jesus begins to describe what it means to be a disciple. In Matthew chapter 16, it says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must first deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And in the statement that Jesus is giving to Peter and consequently the rest of the disciples, is he's saying, I'm headed to the cross. I'm headed to die for, for your sins. Are you willing to follow me there? Are you willing to do what I call you to do? Of course, when he first meets the disciples, they're in the boats fishing, and he says to them, cast your nets on the other side, and when they get that miraculous catch, he says, now that I've proven to you that, that uh, you weren't that good at fishing, I'm better at fishing than you are, would you follow me to learn more about God? And the scripture says that they left their boats, they left everything and followed him. They were willing to leave their jobs, they were willing to leave their families just to be with Jesus. This is a statement that Ruth gives to Naomi. This is an oath that she gives where she says, wherever you go, Naomi, I will follow you. Whatever you call me to do, I will do it. And as you see throughout the rest of the book of Ruth, that actually happens. Naomi gives Ruth advice and she gives her direction and Ruth follows through with it. So it's not just, well, I'm going to go with you to the land of Israel and live in your household, but I'm probably not going to do what you say. No, what she's saying is, let me serve you. Let me obey you. You tell me how to live and I'll live properly. 
Well, that's the relationship that we have with Jesus. When we say to him, I will go where you go, I will follow you, what we're saying is, I want to serve you, Jesus. Whatever it is you've called me to do, I will do it. Wherever you go, I will go. Which is the next line, where you lodge, I will lodge. This is a a reference to what kind of household they're going to establish. And so, again, it's that reference to servanthood, where Ruth is telling Naomi, when I'm in your household, I will do what you say. But this is also a reference to the fact that, you know, Ruth doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know the land of Israel. She's married uh, Israelite sons, but that's all. She doesn't know what the Israelite culture is. And so when she says to Naomi, I need you to lead me. I need you to tell me where are we going to live? What are we going to do? Where are we going to be at? This is a proclamation that says, you know more than I do. Well, when we enter into a relationship with God, did you know that you don't do anything without the Holy Spirit leading you to that place? So I'll give you an example. Acts chapter 16. So for like 10 chapters in in the book of Acts, it is the Jewish people that are being converted to Christianity. And then something spectacular happens. The Holy Spirit converts a Gentile. And the early church is just confused by this. They, They don't know what's going on. They're really confused because even Peter says, I'm, and this is at Cornelius' household, even Peter says, I'm not allowed to go into your household because if I do, I'm considered unclean. But then he remembers a vision that God gives him that says, call no man unclean. And so what Peter begins to decipher here is that, you know what? The Holy Spirit is going to go where he wants to go and the Holy Spirit is going to do what he wants to do. I better follow him to that place. Well, then we get to Acts chapter 16, and the church begins to ask the question, what do we do with Gentile converts? Do we make them follow the law of the Old Testament? Do we make them be circumcised? Do we make them eat the food that we eat? Or do we allow them to be led by the Holy Spirit? And James speaks up at the end of the council, and he says, you know what? And I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting scripture here, but basically what James says is, you know what? We can't control the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to go where he wants to go. We need to allow him to convert who he wants, and we need to follow up with that. Well, that's the proclamation that Ruth is giving to Naomi. Naomi, wherever you lodge, wherever you go, I will follow you to that place. Well, this is the proclamation that we give to God when we decide to follow him. We say, God, Holy Spirit, Wherever you're going to go, lead me to that place. Go ahead of me and tell me where you're at, and I will follow you there. You know, sometimes we have this discussion as a church, uh, what should we do next? What kind of outreach should we do? What kind of evangelism should we do in the community? And the problem I've noticed in churches when we have that conversation is it's all about, well, what should we do? What should we do? Where should we go next? And the reality is, if we would pause and say, well, what's the Holy Spirit doing? Where is the Holy Spirit at in Eau Claire, Wisconsin? Where's the Holy Spirit been moving? Wherever he's at, let's go to that place because that means he's prepared a place for us to minister in. 
And so this is a question we should have constantly in our Christian life. Holy Spirit, where are you? Where are you leading? Where are you going? Wherever you lodge, I want to be there. And he'll go ahead of us. Well, the third statement she gives in her oath is, your people shall be my people. Um, When she makes this statement, it it is very much a statement about uh, ethnicity and nationality. So when... Naomi and her family goes and Ruth marries into the family, she's still considered a foreigner. She's still considered in other people. Uh, The word that we would use is Gentile, which just means nation. Uh, Israel had basically two words to describe people. Uh, You were Hebrew or you were an Israelite or you were something else. That's basically what that word Gentile means. It means other nations, other people, something else. So at this point in Ruth's life, she's a something else. She's a other nation. She's not an Israelite. But the proclamation she gives to Naomi is, let me be one of you. I I don't want to be a Moabitess anymore. I don't want to be of the land of Moab. I want to be in this community. I want to be one of the Hebrew people. I want to be of the tribe of Israel. Let me be a part of your people. And and this statement is really amazing because there are actual laws within the Old Testament that allow people of other nations and other ethnicities to convert into Judaism and be one of the Jewish people. And so when Ruth gives this proclamation, she's giving it for a lifetime. She's saying, this is the community that I not only want to live in, I don't want to live there as a foreigner, I want to be one of you. I want to be a citizen of your nation. Let me be among you. Well, this is what happens to us when we're called into Christianity. We are called into a community of believers, And and the most immediate community that we run into is the community of our local church. And it saddens me when I meet people that have a bad church experience and so don't want to go to another local church. In fact, just in the last two or three weeks, I've met people and and they've said to me, they've said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. And so the question I always ask next is, oh great, what church do you go to? And it's like, Nine times out of ten, I've noticed the answer is, well, I don't go to church, and you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And that saddens me. It saddens me because we have a great church here. We have a wonderful group of believers that are ready to receive anybody. And so when we became Christians, God called us into a community of believers. He's called us into this local church to grow with him. And not just to grow with him, but to grow with one another. And I've said this before, we need one another for encouragement. We need one another to tell us what to do and where to go, to offer correction, to offer insight, to offer encouragement. There's a reason in in the book of Hebrews, uh, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, "Don't, don't stop meeting with one another. Uh, He says that to the people. He says, don't stop meeting together as a local church. You need one another for encouragement. Again, that's a paraphrase. Uh, But if you go, I, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 10. That's a command that's being given out of the scripture. Let's not forego meeting with one another. We need one another. 
We need to be a part of this community to grow in God. The next line here, and, and this line is probably one of the bigger lines, is she proclaims, your God shall be my God. And if you remember, when, when Naomi tells her to go back to her people, she's offering, go back to your people, go back to your tribe, marry one of your people, and just have a long life there. But she also adds in, go back and worship your gods. Go back and, and worship whatever it is you people worship. It'll be an easier life. And Ruth says, I don't want to worship the other gods. I don't want to worship what I grew up with. And, and it's a very telling statement. I, I don't want to read too much into it because it is just one line. But I have a feeling that Ruth, when she entered into the household, she noticed that there was something different about Ruth and her family in the worship of Yahweh that was different from any of the gods they ever worshipped in Moab. And she makes this proclamation, I want to worship your God. Let me get to know him. Well, in our Christian life, our relationship with Jesus Christ isn't just a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's access to God the Father. It's access to a loving Father, the Father that created us, the Father that looks out for us, the, the Father that, that holds us in his arms. So when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're entering into a relationship with God the Father. Uh, Jesus, in John chapter 15, makes this point. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we hear this statement so many times that there's many ways to God. There's many ways to find out who God is. There's many ways to have access to him. And although I do believe that God goes ahead of us and God prepares people to receive him, I certainly can't believe that there's any other way to be in a relationship with God other than through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is why it's so important that we tell people about Jesus. He's the difference maker. There was a man that I, I used to go visit uh, when we lived down in Kentucky. I would do ministry at, at Frankfurt Wesleyan Church, and then on Sundays after service, we would walk around the community and get to know people. And one of the men that I got to know, his name was Abdullah. He came from Bethlehem, and, and he was a, a Muslim. And so, of course, him and I would, no matter how much we tried to talk about other things, we would always land on his belief in Islam, my belief in Christianity. And what was always fascinating to me is, and it, it is kind of funny because we would like try to convert one another, you know, and it's like, dude, you don't know who you're dealing with here. <laughs> it ain't happening for me. But we would talk with one another, and what I always found was interesting was we could talk about God and we could talk about Allah. But the moment we talked about Jesus Christ, there was a difference in the conversation. Because in Islam, they do believe that our scriptures do enlighten their scriptures. And so you can quote the Bible to, to uh, anybody who believes in Islam. You can quote the Bible and they can receive it. And so I would just do that. I just found every time I quoted Jesus, the conversation was shut down. All of a sudden, that's the difference maker. You can talk all you want about Allah, but once I talked about the truth that Jesus Christ spoke, 
There was nothing left to say. And that's the reality. When people choose to follow Jesus, they're choosing to be in a relationship with God the Father. There is a difference between God the Father and any other God that's proclaimed in the world. But you're not going to get to know him unless it's with Jesus. And this is the proclamation that Ruth makes. She wants to know who God is, and she proclaims, I don't want to live with what I've had before. I want a new relationship with God. And then finally, I I would say this is probably one of the harder passages of this oath that she makes, but uh, I want to be able to read it here in, in verse 17. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. This is a difficult statement because in Ruth's statement, the point that she is making is she is so committed to her relationship with Naomi that she never wants to leave it. And the only way that Naomi could ever get rid of Ruth is if she died. It's funny, uh, a statement that um, uh, Emily has used before is, uh, 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 she, she said in our, by the way, we've never talked about divorce. So I want to, I, let me throw that out right now. But Emily has said something like, well, if you ever leave me, I'll just follow you. That's the statement that, Naomi, that Ruth is giving to Naomi. Well, Naomi, if you ever leave, I'm just going to follow you. If you ever lodge in a different place, I'll just follow you to that place. And what she's basically saying is, the only way you would ever leave me is if I died. So you're going to have to kill me uh, to get rid of me. And and this is a very profound statement that she's making because then she says on top of it, and if I ever break that vow, may God do to me worse than that. So may God hold me accountable. May God punish me if I ever decide not to be in a relationship with you. This is a profound statement because Ruth is now making a very, very important vow that has eternal consequences to it. But it's it's an important one. It's a vow of love towards Naomi. And the best that I could wrap my mind around this, the best that I could say is, we have a similar relationship with Jesus. Of course, when we die, we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. So we don't need to worry about death. But we do need to worry about the consequences of not choosing to follow Jesus. I think it's John MacArthur uh, who, who makes a statement about salvation. He says, you don't need to do anything to go to hell, but you need to not do something to go to hell. Of course, the statement means if we're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are headed towards death. Not, not just death here on earth, but eternal death. When we choose not to be in a relationship with Jesus, there are eternal consequences to it. And the reality is, on the opposite side of that, we don't need to fear death because if we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, he has saved us from that. So the eternal consequences are very simple. The eternal consequences are choose to follow Jesus and you'll be forgiven of your sins You'll be brought into a relationship with him and you'll be given life, not just life here on earth, but life eternally in heaven. 
if we choose not to follow Jesus, well, those consequences are very simple. We choose death. We choose to be held accountable for the sins that we've committed and not be forgiven. And we choose death not just here on earth, but eternally in hell. Again, it's, it's, it's a simple decision, but sometimes it's hard to speak out loud because of the consequences that are before us. And so we make that proclamation as Christians. I have chosen to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he has chosen to forgive me of my sins. Now I'm in a relationship, and I'm bound for heaven. So the oath that Ruth gives is a similar oath that we give when we enter into salvation with Jesus Christ. We say to him, I will go where you go. I will lodge where you lodge. I will stay where you stay. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Lord Jesus, wherever you call me to go, I will go to that place and I will obey you. Holy Spirit, wherever you're at, I want to be in that place and minister just as you're ministering. I want to be in the community of believers. I want to continue to grow in this church. And Lord Jesus, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with you in eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the oath that you've given us that, that we can uh, come humbly before you, that we can enter into our relationship with you, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness that you offer, but also, Lord, the assurance that you offer that we are one of yours. Lord, as we enter into this week, as we leave this place, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go ahead of us, that you would show us the places that you're ministering and call us into those places. Lord Jesus, we pray that our relationship with you would grow, that it would grow daily that we would know each and every day that you love us. Amen.